Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. I had planned to make this episode about Steph Curry and something he said and did last week leading into All-Star Weekend. And with him winning his first All-Star MVP recognition for hitting 16 threes on Sunday to help Team LeBron beat Team Durant to a 163-160 win, he would still make for a worthy subject. That was a Team Durant without Kevin Durant, but nonetheless. Uh, I will get to Steph this week, short of something extraordinary happening. A series of extraordinary happenings, actually. But Steph will have to wait because of some things that LeBron James said and did, mostly said, they have to take precedent. For those, by the way, who have accused me of spending too much time on LeBron here, I hear you, and I've tried to take note. But when a player does something we've never seen or heard before, it begs being discussed. And I promise you that if Steph or any other star player had done the same, I'd be talking about it here. Before I forget, LeBron, while Steph won MVP, LeBron did hit the game winner on a step-back ISO mid-range jumper, and that seemed extremely fitting. He has perfected that shot and has been hitting it with extreme regularity this season, more than I've ever seen before. If anything defines his game and how it's evolved, hitting that shot certainly does it. Actually, the first thing I want to tackle is not something LeBron said, but rather something his close friend and agent, Rich Paul, said that I believe reflects on LeBron. Paul added yet another wrinkle to the endless debate about and comparison between Michael Jordan and LeBron. That he was able to add a new wrinkle after all these years and all the millions of conversations about Jordan and LeBron is impressive in and of itself. But Rich did indeed break new ground by suggesting that 
LeBron had far more to overcome to become great than Jordan did. He is referring, of course, to the fact that LeBron grew up without a father and a teenage mom who struggled at times to take care of herself, much less her son, while Jordan was raised in a two-parent home. None of that is debatable. I could make a case that having two parents versus one doesn't necessarily equate to a better home life or more advantages. There are so many variables when it comes to the environment a kid grows up in and what ultimately prepares them for adulthood that defining who had it tougher doesn't seem like an exercise worth the trouble. Which may be why it's never been brought up before in comparing LeBron and Jordan or any two players or success stories for that matter. Sure, a player like Steph, raised by two parents, including one who was a well-compensated NBA player, is mentioned now and then, but I've never heard anyone suggest that Steph doesn't deserve to be recognized as the greatest shooter in NBA history because of it. In the end, does anybody really care? Well, someone does. LeBron. LeBron has never forgotten how hard his childhood was. Clearly. It has been a source of never-ending motivation for him. The scars of that childhood also still affect him in some not-so-positive ways. Clearly. What I've always been mystified by is why, for all his greatness, all his success, all the adoration he has received for well over 20 years now, that he still presents himself as a victim at times. Why he feels at times that he is unfairly persecuted. Why his success is not appreciated enough. Why he is not adored enough. Why he acts at times as if he doesn't live in a multi-million dollar home in Beverly Hills. Now, I'm sure his wealth and fame don't completely protect him from being discriminated against because of the color of his skin. He is not alone in that. I've never had to deal with that, being white. But I know what it is to feel defined by how I grew up, my heritage, my shortcomings, and to think less of myself for them. In some ways, those things were great motivators for me, just as they clearly were for LeBron. But they were also handicaps because of the way I thought of them. It wasn't about what I achieved, but how I thought about myself. It wasn't until I had a number of people teach me how to shed those thoughts, how to realize that my circumstances, past or present, don't define who I am, that I was able to escape that self-imposed prison. I was 29 when that happened. When my mind tries to take me back there, and it still does from time to time, I have the tools to get rid of them. My closest friends can relate. They are, in many cases, my closest friends. Because we can talk about those fears, and when we do, it allows us to see the rational from the irrational ones, and how the irrational ones are based on, well, they're irrational because of, they're not based on where we are now. Our present circumstances are proof that those fears are no longer realistic, no matter how much they might seem to be if we keep them to ourselves. My parents both were raised during the war and I could still see to this day the way that experience affects them. So LeBron certainly is not alone in this, but 
The distinction I see with LeBron is that he still allows where he came from, what he endured, and the fears that all that raises to define him, to affect his thoughts and actions to this day, even now at age 37. And now I better understand why. Because while I saw that in my parents, and I saw it in myself, I don't know that I always saw it in him, or I didn't understand why it was still there. And now I do, because those around him, those closest to him, think the same way. That's the only explanation I can give for why Rich Paul would even bring up the comparison of LeBron's childhood to MJ's. It's one more attempt to portray what LeBron has done as greater than what MJ did, which is a tell. It suggests that Rich and LeBron still don't believe, based on accomplishments alone, that he has exceeded Jordan. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. LeBron has been around long enough to know that he can't talk his way into being perceived a certain way, or at least he should. This, again, is a little part of the mystery that I haven't quite figured out other than attributing it to where he came from and how that felt. The greatest players have never tried to talk their way into being perceived a certain way. They let their work speak for itself, knowing that critics and the fans are going to assess where they stand on their own, that they, have, they the players, have no control over how someone else ranks them. And they seem to be at peace with that because they are content in knowing what they did and what it means to them. The, opinion, the opinions of others might matter to them to varying degrees, but they know ultimately that that doesn't define who they are. Only they can decide that. This is why, in talking about LeBron, I found myself often saying he's bigger and better than some of the things he does and says. That he's too powerful and visible to do those things. Criticizing Daryl Morey for his tweet about Hong Kong is one that immediately comes to mind. I could do a Google search and list a dozen statements over the years that LeBron has had to walk back or say his meaning was misunderstood. But I don't think that's necessary. Anyone who is at all familiar with his history knows what I'm talking about. And my purpose here is not to criticize him, but to share why I understand now where they come from, those statements and where it leaves me, which is feeling sorry for him. Someone suggested to me over the weekend that LeBron announcing he will play his last year with whatever NBA team acquires his son, Bronny, comes from the same place. That he's trying to be the father to Bronny that his father wasn't to him. That he's overcompensating. That makes sense to me. As a father myself, I can relate to the desire to see my kids succeed, to provide them the same or better opportunities that were given to me. Just had this conversation with Andrew Wiggins, and we agreed that we both want to see our kids do better than we did. Wiggins made the all-star team. His father, who also played in the league, 
did not accomplish that. It's why I wound up sending my kids to private school. I went to a public school, but I wound up going to a very prestigious college, the first and only person in my family to go to college at all. A very prestigious, expensive college that did not offer athletic scholarships. I figured that an athletic scholarship in soccer would be my road to getting a college education, and I, had, I did have a couple of offers. But when I was accepted to this prestigious school, my parents said they would find a way to pay for it. We took out loans. I was in the work-study program. But to this day, I still don't know how my parents managed to afford it. So I vowed whatever it could cost, I would do the same for my kids. I left it up to them whether or not they wanted to go that course, the private school course, but I'm sure my interest, the stories I had about the successful path my education put me on, influenced them at least to a certain degree. And maybe there's not a distinction there, but I'd like to think that there is, that I ultimately left it up to them. And that's the piece that I'm missing in what LeBron has said about Bronny. If just once, at any point he said, if Bronny decides he wants to pursue an NBA career and if he wants to play with him, wants me to play with him, I will try to make that happen. Now, I suspect some of you are thinking, I'm sure LeBron and Bronny have talked about this and LeBron is saying all this knowing that this is what Bronny wants, to be in the NBA, to play with his dad. My son at one point floated the idea of him following in my footsteps, of us working together. I imagine a lot of sons entertain that thought that dream. I have a friend of mine who is a fireman. He has four sons, one of whom has become a fireman. I know the pride and joy my friend takes in that. But I also know that he takes pride in all of his sons and what they're doing, and that the son who took that path arrived there on his own. He didn't, he didn't at any point announce that he would go and work for the same firehouse that hired his son. His son went to college with other ideas, much like the other three sons. I gently pushed my son to dream bigger, shoot higher, when he brought up that idea. It wasn't that I thought he couldn't do it or that I wouldn't have loved seeing him do it. It's that I saw what it might rob from him. The satisfaction I took in taking what my father, a blue-collar foreman, had taught me about work ethic and resilience and determination and allowed me to pave my own way. I have a big enough profile in my profession that it would have been hard for anyone to believe my son didn't get some sort of advantage he didn't necessarily earn on his own. Or at least that was my thinking when he brought it up. At some point, we all need to deliver and prove our worth, regardless of what our name is or who we're related to. But nepotism is certainly alive and well. And I can't tell you why I didn't want my son to ever be accused of that. But I didn't. I wanted him to make it on his own, maybe with a confidence that he could. I fully expect that he will. You're hearing talk of Bronny get, getting an unfair leg up already. I've seen some projections of him as a mid to late round, second round pick. Name me another high school junior whose draft status is already being projected. It doesn't happen. Certainly not for a guard averaging nine points a game, a guard who is not even the best player on his high school team. That projection is based, at least in part, on what a team might be willing to spend to get LeBron. By announcing his intention, 
LeBron isn't just impacting Bronny either. How about the Lakers? They could be faced with a decision on signing him to a new deal this summer if he exercises the opt-out on his current deal. In one way, I suppose he's doing them a favor. He's letting them know way ahead of time where his allegiance lies. Not to them. And I'll be interested to see in the big picture how that affects Lakers Nation and their view of LeBron. In any case, he's not going to re-sign with the Lakers, presumably, unless they're ready and willing to promise they'll draft or sign Bronny. If he, LeBron, is even interested in that. Because he also threw out the idea that he would be willing to go back to Cleveland to play for the Cavaliers a third time if it meant playing with Bronny. All of this is about something that can't happen for another two and a half years. We all know how much can change in two and a half years for LeBron, for Bronny, for the Cavs, for everyone. I believe it was former NBA player Jamal Crawford who said of LeBron's announcement that it was one of the most G moves ever, as in gangster move. He's right. It is one of the most audacious power moves I've ever seen by an NBA player. Bigger, I'd say, even than having the entire league vying for his services back in 2010. Which is why I'm talking about it in this episode, or I feel the need to. With one big caveat. If it works. The move in 2010 was revolutionary. And very much a G move as well. But back then, it made sense. There was never a doubt that any team in the league would be willing to do whatever it took, if given the chance, to get LeBron. Teams prepared for that summer several years in advance, structuring their rosters, their salary caps, just for the chance to be in the LeBron lottery, because they considered it worth it. Now, I'm not so sure. He's going to be 40. He's demanding that his son be on the team as a prerequisite. I know LeBron has indicated what a team could pay him would not be a factor, but having LeBron on your team is not just about what he's getting paid. He has an enormous footprint. He carries an enormous amount of influence, regardless of how much he's making. The decision to draft Bronny and sign LeBron, if it fails, isn't going to fall on him. Look at the Lakers right now. Reports are that LeBron and Rich are unhappy with GM Rob Palenka because he wasn't willing to trade Russ Westbrook and a future first-round pick to the Rockets for one of Paul's other clients, John Wall, who's desperate to get out of Houston. In some circles, Palenka is being criticized for not giving in to the idea, even though the Lakers are where they are because he gave in to LeBron in acquiring Westbrook. The blame, at least for a healthy faction of fans and media, never seems to fall on LeBron. Last I checked, the Lakers were still trying to make something of this season. They were still thinking they had a nucleus of LeBron and Anthony Davis to build around. That would all appear to be up in the air now because of something that LeBron wants to make happen two and a half years from now for his son, Bronny. And let's not forget, for himself. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United We Cast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, we may get to that Steph Curry topic, or if there's any other fallout from All-Star Weekend, 
we may hit that. Also, look uh, at the Fox Sports app or foxsports.com. I'm planning this week to get a feel from teams on just how committed they are, what they think of the idea of angling for signing Bronny and LeBron two and a half years from now. I'm planning on writing about that. If I don't get good intel or it seems like nobody's interested, well, that might be worth writing as well. We'll see. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.